This week, uh, we started reading the portion of Mishpatim. It's a very legal portion, actually. There's a lot of legalities there. It's called Mishpatim. Mishpatim means the judgments, the laws, and um, it's actually very interesting that the very first uh, verse implies, and Rashi says that Jewish people need to only go to a Jewish court and not to go to courts outside um, you know, outside the legal Jewish system. And the reason is because, uh, Rashi explains, is that um, if you can't settle it amongst yourself, like when you're sort of giving credence to other gods or other people, because you should be able to find, um, I guess, um, satisfaction within the legal Jewish system. And going elsewhere sort of takes away from the honor of Hashem and says that, no, you got to go seek outside help, as, you know, when there is uh, the Torah and the mitzvahs and the laws. But anyways, it's all about, this parsha is all about the various different laws, and, but like everything else, you know, sometimes you think, talking about laws, uh, sounds like, you know, very dry and very uh, logical and uh, more uh, belonging to, uh, in the yeshiva, like there's a lot of discussion. Most of the Talmud attracted of ni- the, the order of Nizikin, uh, which deals with all different kinds of monetary issues and legal legalities and give and take and various different ideas. But like everything else from Torah, we can take a lesson to it also in our lives. Something very, very important. We can learn about you know our responsibilities, our how we're supposed to look on life uh, as a gift. Something that we feel that um, we've not uh, we've not earned, we've not earned it, but rather being thankful, appreciative for it, or on the other extreme thinking, you know, I just got to use whatever I can for myself and without uh, giving any um, anything back or anything uh, uh, to any, to any, um, to Hashem or to lead anything, just, just, just enjoy the life, you know, and that's it. Uh, so there's various different aspects of life that we can actually learn and uh, take a message from this parsha from the legal galaxies. But I wanted to first uh, just uh, familiarize you. I mean, if you've learned ever Talmud and the yeshiva, they've always learned these. I'm not sure if you've ever heard these terms or you ever. So I wrote the Hebrew terms and I gave the English translation. And, um, and the, basically we talk about the four shomrim. Four guards, Arba Shomrim. We talk about the four Shomrim, the four guards. Um, so the first one is called Shomer. Shomer means guard. Shomer Chinam. Shomer Chinam literally means one who watches without getting paid. Is that the same Chinam as uh, the one that means senseless hatred? Uh, Sina. Yes. Yeah. Chinam means for no reason, for no pay, for nothing, for no reason, nothing. That yeah. But, what is an example? Say that um, you're um, uh, you're going out of town, and um, maybe you have some valuables in your house, and you ask your neighbor, "Can I do me a favor?" And 
you know, deposited for me. Um, so this is all about property? No, property, or property, or yeah, technically, we're going to make a metaphor for life also, uh, that we're going to learn from this. But legally, yeah, this is a very legal, this portion is a very legal portion. It talks about all various different laws. So we're going to go through some of the laws. So there's one called the Shomer Chinam, so he doesn't get paid. Or, you know, more, another thing is, you know, you're leaving and maybe you're going to go away for the day. You know, you have a dog at home and you want somebody to uh, look out of it, you know. So you give it to the neighbor. You say, do me a favor. Now, you see, I mean, uh, every example you give, you have to really um, explain and look into it. Because sometimes if your neighbor is in, you know, you give to him and she gives to you back, you may maybe... It may not be considered to be a free watchman because uh, maybe if you're watching for them so they can watch for you, so that's sort of a payment, you know, they're not watching it for free. So, but I, I'm just talking loosely, you know, somebody who does you basically a favor. So you're asking somebody to do me a favor, hold on to this for me, and, you know, and that's called a Shomer Chinam, for free. Then you have the second one is called a Shomer Sachar. Sachar means uh, pay. Sachar means reward. Shomer Sachar. He wars, he watches for pay, which means one who watches gets paid. So that's basically um, a person who um, who wants to get something in return. And you know, if you're leaving, you put your dog into some sort of a uh, kennel. Kennel. You give it to somebody to watch for you. I'm giving the examples of the dog, not necessarily that I, uh, in the in the Talmud, we're always talking about animals, about a cow, because people used to have, used to loan, but today there's not that many cows around that people borrow or give. I just brought so, my dog to the to the place today. Uh, to, to watch for him? Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow for vacation. Oh, so the good example, so I gave this example. No, no. Okay, so that, it's, it's a good it's, example. So, okay. She has to pay so for now, okay. So now you're paying for it. So the, yes. the person that is watching or the company that is watching, they're getting paid for it. Right. You know, they're getting paid for it. Um, for sometimes also just to like, deviate a drop, you know, it's like it says like for teaching Torah, one is not allowed to get paid. You're not allowed to get paid for it because Hashem says, I teach for free and you have to teach for free as well. So how do all teachers and rabbis and judges and everybody, how do they get paid? So there's like, there's always a loophole and there's always a way. And the reason is like for, for children, like you have a teacher in the classroom, technically you say that he gets paid for watching the kids. So he's also a watchman. So he's a shoymer sachar. He's basically getting paid for watching the kids because little kids can hurt themselves, can other things. He's not getting paid so much for the Torah that he's teaching them, but he's getting paid for taking care of them, for watching them. Just giving this as an example, so maybe a teacher sometimes in the school can be considered a shomer sachar. He's watching for pay. A, a babysitter. Babysitter. Now listen, you know, try get, try sending your kids. That's how they get paid. What we get paid. I don't get paid at all for babysitting. Yeah, yeah, actually, you pay for it. I you actually do. You pay for do. the privilege. Right. You pay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, but in this case, like. Um, I mean, try sending your kids for free to the school. They want, they want to pay. They're not, they're not Shomer Chinov. They're Shomer Sachar. They want a lot of Sachar for, for guarding. So that'll be a, that'll be a Shomer Sachar. Now, then the next one is called a Shoel. A Shoel is a borrower. 
So a borrower is not really a watchman, if you notice it says the four watchmen. But we're, we're talking, when we say watchman, what we're going to talk about really over here is what is the person's responsibility what is the person's responsibility towards the owner of the item if something happens to it? Because we're going to talk about so I give you something to watch. So if I pay you for watching, like if you gave it to the kennel watch, the responsibility for the uh, for of the person watching because he gets paid is greater than the responsibility if you're not getting paid. If you're not getting paid, then you don't you're not as responsible as we'll see. We're going to go to the next step in a minute. But what's what about a borrower? Now a borrower he's borrowing your. So let's say he borrowed your lawnmower. He says, he says, lawnmower. He says, I want to, can I use your lawnmower? Now, using the lawnmower, uh, again, uh, that's called um, a borrower because you're not paying anything for the use of the other ones. You still got to watch it. I mean, there's some, you have responsibility. You're, watch, you're also, when you borrow something, you're watching the other one's object. Because you got to return it to him, so you're, he's giving it to you as a loan, but you got to give it back to him. So we have what is called a shoel. A shoel is a borrower, okay. And then you have a soaker. A soaker means a renter. No, a shoel and a soaker are, are almost similar, whereas the shoel is a borrower doesn't pay anything for it. A renter, you rent a car. So you pay for renting of the car, right? So the rental company isn't going to borrow you the car, so you're going to have to pay for it. So when you're so the it's understood that the shoel, the one who's borrowing, he's basically getting the most benefit than any of the other people because the guards, the shomrim, the chinom, and the sochar, they have to do something. They have to watch for you. But when they watch for you, they're not allowed to use your items. Say you give somebody um, something to watch, if it's the case, uh, uh, to watch your dog. So maybe part of the watching is taking for a walk. Okay, so that's part of watching it. But you're not allowed to use uh, the other one's items. So if I gave you uh, my set of dishes to hold on for me, uh, you're not allowed to use those dishes because you're just a showman. That would be you know, using somebody else's stuff without permission, unless he says you can use it, then you would be a borrower. Then you're borrowing the stuff because he's letting you if you want to use it. But if he wants you to guard it for him, uh, or he's you guard you safeguarding for him, so in those cases you're doing a favor. Who's doing the favor for whom? So when you're watching something for somebody, inevitably the one who's watching is doing a favor. I mean he's I'm not sure to say a favor, but he's doing something for the other person. In a case where he's not getting paid, he's doing it for free. In a case he's getting paid, he's still doing it for the other person, but he's getting paid for it. But he's still doing it, but he's getting paid for his efforts. Okay. But when you borrow something from somebody else, essentially, the only one that's benefiting from this whole thing is the borrower. Because the lender doesn't need you to watch anything for him. He's not like giving you the item, he's not giving you the lawnmower because... He wants you to look out after his lawnmower. He's giving you a lawnmower because you want to use it. So the entire benefit is whose? The, borrower. the borrowers. And that's why 
we place greater responsibility on the borrower. So in the categories, let's just use the three categories. Who would be most benefiting from the uh, relationship here? A shoah, a borrower. And therefore, it makes sense. This is from today's parsha. In the parsha, we learn all about these details, of course, with the explanation of the Talmud. So a borrower would be mostly responsible for, for more than the others because since he's getting most of the benefit, it's his, he's, all the benefit is his, so he should be more responsible. The next is the Shomer Sachar, who is watching, but he's getting paid for watching. Okay, so, but he's, he's, he's still working for it, he's not borrowing it, and he's helping you out. He's the next in line for responsibility, not as the Shoel, but similar to the Shoel. And then you have the Shomer Chinah, the watchman for free, is least responsible because he's basically doing you a favor. Or what they call this uh, the law, the Good Samaritan law. If you uh, try to help somebody and something happens, you're exempt. You know, you're trying. You're, you're doing it for free, you're not getting paid for it. So your level of responsibility is the least. And in a minute, we'll talk about the socher, the renter. Where does the socher fit in? But we have, we'll talk about the three, and then we'll think, because the socher is actually two opinions where it fits in. Exactly, there's two opinions. It's not clear from the Torah, and there's two opinions where to place it. Now we'll talk for a minute about three types of responsibilities. Okay, there's three types of responsibilities. Okay, one is called a pshia. Pshia means negligent. So let's say, in a case, let's say I'm watching for free. Okay, you gave it to me. Okay, well, let's not talk about what's negligent. You gave me the dog to watch, and you're supposed to keep either the dog inside the house or on a leash. But if you're going to let the dog, uh, the dog is going to go out. Yeah? You're going to get hit by a car. Don't say that. Not your dog. But if you don't take care of it, you should say that. So to make sure that the one who watches does the proper job. No? But they're getting paid for it. So yeah. Well, no way. Oh, so one second. So if you're giving somebody something which is called negligent, it's called pishia. Negligent means you didn't do the expected minimal thing mm-hmm. to close your door. So, not talking about dogs now. Let's talk about the person <laughs> deposited, uh, gave you his watch. He wants to go somewhere and he give you the watch to... Uh, to watch. To watch. And then, <laughs> and then you left the door open. You didn't close it, you know. Or maybe in Sharon, I'm not sure. It's a negligent. But you're living in any other place, you know, if you leave the door open, somebody will come in and steal it. So... That's called negligent. That's called pshia. That's called negligent. Um, the next category is called gneva vaveda. Gneva is means stolen, vaveda lost, which means it's not totally out of your control. But it's the second category. The Gemara, the Talmud, exactly. Uh, it's it's not negligent. It's a higher level, but you didn't do more to make sure. There's one thing, just leave the door open, that's negligent. But you can lock the door, but with a lock which is not so good and can sometimes be broken in. If you're getting paid, exact the scenarios um, Talmud gives, but the, uh, 
if you're, we're going to see about what happens to get paid. That that is called theft and stolen, which means um, you can close the door, but robbers can still break in sometimes into the house. It happens all the time. People climb into the into the through the window or, or the door, and they they get in. So so that's a in other words, you watched it. You weren't negligent, but you didn't make the extra effort. You didn't put on the alarm system, or you didn't uh, you didn't take the extra precaution beyond. Yeah. These three types of responsibilities. Are we speaking about the person who's asking someone to watch their house? No, we're going to talk one second. Let, let me just give me one more minute. I'll go to the last one. Hold on one second. Then there is the third one. Is called an oinus. An oinus means a mishap. Mishap means beyond my control. So, you know, um, I had uh, uh, taken care of, of the dog, I'm going to say the dog, taking care of something, and it's just, um, you know, um, armed robbers came up with, uh, with guns, and they took it away. Listed Missouri, they took it away. I, you know, something totally out of my control. I didn't, you know, I didn't, have, I didn't expect it, it didn't, it was a mishap. Or let's take another. You're, you're, you borrowed the person, Tom. You borrowed the animal to go to to plow your field. In the olden days, they would plow the field with the animals. They had a bull who was. He borrowed his bull, and uh, the bull died. It wasn't not my fault. He fed it. He took care of it. Doesn't the bull died? Doesn't matter. If you're a borrower, so here we're going to go to, that's called a mishap. Mishap means beyond the person's control. It's an oinus, it wasn't something that he could help it. It was just beyond control. It was, if you want to call it an act of God. It was an act of God, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his responsibility. Here is, we divide up the responsibilities for the, to this week's partial Responsibilities, we're talking about the people that are guarding it. So if you are watching it for free, which means you're not getting paid for it, your level of responsibility is the least. You would only be responsible if you were negligent, if you were a pshia, if you were negligent. Okay, you, you can't, even though you're not getting paid, you're doing a favor, but you still, even though you're doing a favor, you still must take it, you, you must, you're, you're, you're a watchman, and you're not there. And if you are negligent, if you don't close the door, you don't tie it to the leash, and you don't, do the minimal amount that is expected, that's called negligent. And in that case, uh, you know, you would be responsible. If you moved a, a glass, uh, you know, dish with one finger, balancing it, and it fell and broke, you'd be responsible because you were negligent. You didn't watch it properly. That's not the way to take care of the items. So then you'd be responsible. So the Shomer Chinam is responsible for Peshiyam, for negligent. But he is not responsible for Gneva Aveda, and he is not responsible for Oynas, which means if it was lost or stolen or it, a mishap happened, he's not responsible because as long as he wasn't negligent, he's reasonably not negligent, then you will not be responsible for it. But the person who's getting paid, if you're a Shomer Sochar, you're a person you're watching getting paid, then your level of responsibility rises. Then already 
you can't not only if you're negligent, then then you must make sure you're getting paid for it. You know, it's different. If you're you have an expectation when you gave it to the kennel, you give it to the people watching them, you have an expectation that they'll take good care of it because you pay them for it. Not only will they be responsible for negligent, but they'll be responsible if something, God forbid, happens, they're going to be responsible for it because they got paid for it. So getting paid adds to their level of responsibility. Again, this is all in the parsha, various different psukim in today's parsha. But the animal that dies of its own accord. Okay, but that, good, so, but even the one who got paid and the animal died not for anything that I've done, in other words, I couldn't help it. It didn't matter what I did. It was an act of God, like I said. I'm not going to be responsible for it. And therefore, you're only going to be responsible for sure for negligence because even the Shomer Chinon, the free watchman, is responsible for, for it. And the Shomer Sacher, we add to it even if it's stolen or lost, which is an additional. But he's still going to be exempt if it will mishap. Because a mishap is not my responsibility. So if you gave it to somebody and something happened beyond their control, they'll tell you, so if I, you rented a car from, uh, from the car company, right? And, um, and uh, you know, I guess that's where you have insurance or not, you know, so somebody with something without, where you're not at fault, you know, it's no fault, then, you know, they're not going to pay for it. It's not, you know, you... you you uh, you didn't do anything that you that you you didn't weren't negligent and it wasn't more than that you you was a mishap. But when we're talking about a uh, a borrower, over here we have another a different story. The borrower, the Torah says, you are the one that is benefiting fully, even though you had nothing to do with it. It's an act of God. But since you are the one that's benefiting, you are the one that is getting the whole favor, the whole benefit is yours, you're enjoying somebody else's, then you've got to be responsible. You took an animal from him, you've got to give him back an animal. The fact that something happened to it, it's on your clock and you're responsible for it. Which means, like to say, it's almost like saying this, when you're <coughs> borrowing something from the other person, the Torah basically says... It's like you're owning now the animal. The animal is yours. And you owe the person the money for it unless you give it back to them. If you don't give it back, then you owe them the money. So what happens is on your clock, basically. It's almost like saying, while you borrowed it, you own it. Because you're better. You own it, and therefore if something happens to it, it's not my... It's, it's on your clock. You, it happened, the mishap happened by you, and you would have to pay. That's, it's an amazing, but that's what the Torah says. You have to... A borrower is, the, is responsible for everything. There's one thing, actually, just, by the way, this is not part of the discussion, but just for your information, the parsha. there's two circumstances that the borrower will be exempt. There's only two things. So, one of them would be, which is called, If it dies, because of the work that it's doing. So, let's say you, you borrow a lawnmower. And why did you borrow a lawnmower? To mow the lawn. That's what you borrowed for. You didn't do anything wrong. You were mowing the lawn. The grass wasn't too high. It wasn't nothing. It was, there were no rocks over there. You didn't do anything. All of a sudden, the mower decides that it had its life, and it's gone. Then you'll be exempt. Why? Because you borrowed it to do the work, and you did the work with it. 
If an act of God outside of that happens, that would be different. What's then, the difference of an animal? It was just, I don't know, whatever it does. And it is just like old age or Yeah, so the same thing is true. But over there, if you borrowed it for what? So if you, borrow, if, you rent, if you borrowed a car and the car just dies on you, you're not going to be responsible for it because... You're using you, it for what you you're using. I borrowed it to drive it, and I, and, and I did. That's what I did with it. You know, I told you I'm going to drive it, and I drove it. I can't be responsible for it. But if other things happen, then you would be... That's one, one exemption. There's another exemption, is if the owner is also giving himself to you. Let's say, for example, oh, you see the guy is mowing the lawn. You don't just ask him for his lawnmower. You say, can you come and mow my lawn for me? So now you borrowed his lawnmower, but you also borrowed borrow the owner. Because the owner is working for you as well. Does that change? The- in Baal of Imoy, again, there's a lot of details in all these Allah. I'm giving you the general, so you can't really rule from this. But if the owner is doing the job with him, he's doing the work. Actually, he doesn't even have to do the work. For free. For free. And, okay, and, or he, he doesn't, that's a discussion. Does he have to be doing that work? What happens if he's helping me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the lawn, and the meantime he came across, he sees that there's a couple of planks on the barn that need to be banged in, so he's helping himself, so he's, he's working over there for you. Uh, you borrowed him, and even if you didn't borrow him, even if he's actually hired, he could be more hired, Again, these are all details from the halachas, but that's seven, just to, to fill in the rest of the blanks. But the bottom line is, we have these three. We have the Shemr Chinam, Shemr Sochar, and the Shayel. The Socher, some say the renter, we're not sure where to place him. On one hand, um, some say he's like a Shemr Chinam. He's, he'll only be responsible for negligence because he's paying for his for his use, so you, you, you know, you're, you're the one that's making money, you know, you're, it's your business. You're renting it out, he's paying you for it, so his level of responsibility is, is like the Shomer Some one Other people say another view in the Talmud is that his responsibility is like a Shomer Sochem, is like somebody who's getting paid, and it will be a, a little high. So that's a discussion in the Talmud, but that's not so much for us. So, so these are all, you know, halachas that you study and you learn, one, you know, and you learn the, in the yeshiva, they go through and the study halls, they talk about all of the various scenarios and the Talmud is full with these, um, with these different uh, circumstances and cases, etc. But here the Rebbe takes this idea and brings it up also in the life, you know, of us. What's the lesson of life? And so, we have some people who are like Shomer Chinoms. They're like free watchmen. They're like, what does it mean like they're free watchmen? So we have people that um, they feel that whatever is given to them is a gift from Hashem. They feel that they're in this world for a purpose, to do good, they don't feel that they need to get paid, that God has to pay them, that God owes them anything, or that God... They feel that everything they have is, is, a, is a blessing. It's already a blessing. It's not like in, if God gave them a soul, they got to watch that soul. God gave them... A body. A body. God gave them 
uh, property, God gave them a family, God gave them whatever, all the blessings of God, they don't think that they're a paid watchman, that they, I gotta get paid for it. They consider themselves lucky and thankful and appreciative for the ability to be able to be guarded because that Hashem chose them, that brought them, that they can guard, they can take care of, of Hashem's you know, beautiful souls. If God blesses you with a child, God blesses you, whatever God blesses you, you don't feel you have to get paid for raising a child or for doing it. You feel that, on the contrary, it's something which you are thankful for the gift that Hashem has given you. That makes you into a Shomer Chinam. That would be the extreme in which a person lives a life in which he appreciates everything and he's thankful and he doesn't think that he deserves anything or that he needs to get anything in return. But then on the other extreme, you have a Shoal a borrower. A borrower is, he only wants to use. <laughs> he, a fulfillment, he's only looking to fulfill his needs. All the pleasure is his. It's like a borrower who borrows and uh, he doesn't think that um, that he owes anything, that he needs to pay anything, that he has to do anything. He just needs to just use whatever he has and ask for more and just enjoy life and just not give anything back. And that's considered to be a show. He's a borrower. He just he borrows everything. Everything is, and that's it. He doesn't take you know and. You know, you have <laughs> sometimes some most people, you know, buy some things that they that they need, and if they run out of something, they'll borrow something. If they need a tool, or they need something, so they don't have everything. Some people just don't want to buy anything. <laughs> However, they need, they're always they're always mooching off somebody else. They're always asking you. You know, they don't want. You know, they 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 they. they they want to take what is not, they don't want to work for their things to give, they just want to take everything in for themselves, and they don't feel that they have to earn anything, or they have to work for something, or there's something that they have to do for themselves. That's the extreme of a Shoah. Yes? Is, doesn't Hasidus say that we're, we also borrow everything we have from Hashem, that uh, we yeah. own nothing? Yeah, well, the, the truth is not only Hasidus says that, but uh, even the halacha says that, like, for example, one of, the, one of the reasons why we make a bracha before we eat the food, it's our way of paying for it, in a sense, because if we take the food without making a bracha, it's almost like stealing. It's like taking something that doesn't belong to you, because everything belongs to God. And God allows you to, to take, but you know, this guy, but some people are just borrowers. They're just taking everything on loan, on credit. And they never, see, like I would say, in the olden days, um, people that were wealthier were able to afford, like, various different things that people that weren't as wealthy or were poor could not afford. But today you take everything on credit. So, <laughs> so you borrow the money, you know. So you don't own it. But you know, the latest uh, iPhone comes out, or the latest TV, the plasma TV, or whatever, anything out there, or a vacation. Everybody goes for everything. See, everybody has because we borrow. We don't, we don't own it. We don't anyway. We don't go what we own. But we're all like the show. We're all like the um, like the show. Um, then you have the. Um, the Shomer Sachar 
he guards it, but he gets paid. Shemar Sochar is considered, yes, you know, he he knows that he's guarding it, but he he still wants a little bit for himself too. Maybe, you know, he knows he has an Neshama, he knows that he has a body, he knows that he has the world around him, he knows that he has responsibilities, and he knows that it's a gift, and he knows that he has to watch it, but he's not at the level to say, ah, you know, I'll just do it all and there's nothing for me in it, you know. Still, I guess most people feel, yes, you know, we want to do good, we want to be good, we want to guard, and we want to be thankful to Hashem for all that He gave us, but we're not at the level that we can just say, oh, we don't care about ourselves at all, we're just servants of God, we're just watching for Him, and we don't need anything. You know, most of us will probably go into the category of Hashem or Sachar, you know, somebody who's getting a little pay, you know, we want we want God to give us what we need, we want us to make him to feel, us make feel good, we want, you know, we're not at a level that we can say, whatever you do, I mean, which we should say, everything Hashem does for us is for the good, but we, as, what well, we ask Hashem, and what we're at the level is, we say, listen, we will do what we're supposed to do, we'll do the mitzvahs, we'll study the Torah, but we want a little bit for ourselves. We want a little bit for ourselves. That's called a Shomer Sochar, most of And the Sochar, the renter, is in, in this, for this discussion, he's a lot like the Shoah, because he's also a user. Okay, he, he pays a little bit for it. In other words, he's using somebody else's, uh, he's like, okay, he doesn't use it, he doesn't think he gets it all just like that, so he, he wants to, you know, pay a little bit for it, so he pays a little bit, so but all in all, even if you're a borrower, you still recognize that Hashem is in charge over the world because you're a shayl, you recognize. It's only a matter of what your attitude is towards life and towards what you have to do in life. How do you want to position yourself? But then, uh, I think what we can learn is from your responsibilities. So a person who serves God with... Uh, uh, you know, with full devotion, doesn't want anything in return, um, he will be very easily excused if they make a mistake because their whole life is sort of devoted to Hashem and you're not getting paid for it. So for negligent, if you're negligent, okay, you're still responsible, but other than you're negligent, you'll be exempt because you are totally devoted to the cause. You're not really in it for yourself. The shovel on the other extreme, the borrower... Uh, since you're uh, only in it for yourself, you're borrowing, you're taking everything for yourself, uh, you are very liable to to get stuck and make a mistake. And if something happens, I mean, you're going to be responsible because with that attitude uh, of uh, just using other people's, uh, you might end up finding yourself uh, in a problem and um, and then you know, you'd be responsible for it, and you won't be able to get out. So, this is the uh, message that we can learn from the various different shomrim. But what it tells us also is, is in our lives, that, first of all, that we have to be appreciative of what Hashem gave us. And, of course, um, the cup can either be half full or half empty, as you know. So, 
it depends what we want to concentrate on. And we want to look at what's most want to look at it, you know. Every person can choose to look at the gifts that God has given them and be happy and say, listen, I'm ready to serve you. I don't need anything in return what you've given me. And we know also that even great tzaddikim, you know, great righteous people, uh, who like work very hard for Hashem. And it, it says so in the prayer, we learned in Allah too, we should never ask God to give us something because we earned it. So like we don't come to God and say to Hashem, oh, I'm so righteous, uh, I, I, I do so much mitzvahs, uh, I say so much tehillim, I, uh, I give so much tzedakah. Oh well, God says give tzedakah and you can test me, but a person should not use their own merits that they earned it. So we're all, should always be like a, a Shomer Chinam. We're always like, we're, and when we ask from Hashem, we say to Hashem, thank you for what you've given me. And if there's something missing, we say to Hashem, even though we didn't earn it, even though we don't deserve it, but still, grace us with your kindness, grace us with your blessings, give to us a gift an unearned gift. We're, we're, give us a Shomer Chinam. Uh, Shomer Sachar is, um, is one that says, uh, asks for more. You know, he wants a, uh, uh, a reward. He wants a reward. He wants paid. And when we ask Hashem for the Jewish people, over there we have a right to say to Hashem, when we talk about all the Jewish people, and say to Hashem, look, we've paid, you know, a heavy price already. The Jewish people, throughout the centuries, you know, we've paid a price. We've paid a price in, in various different uh, situations, and especially now in Israel, when you look over there, unfortunately, you know, every day brings new uh, victims, new people, you know, innocent young women, children, just like that, you know. So, I guess we say we've paid the price for anything. <laughs> as collectively, not personally, but collectively as a Jewish people, we say to Hashem, uh, you know, uh, we're Hashem uh, Sachar, you know, it's time to, we've paid the price and we want to get paid. In other words, we want Hashem to bring us uh, Mashiach and bring us the redemption so that we can, and, um, and even the Shoel, you know, even the Shoel, the borrower, you know, the, the Hashem knows that um, we're uh, just flesh and blood, and Hashem gives us things on loan. Every year Hashem says, you know what, normally when you go to a, a store and you ask to apply for credit, maybe they'll give you credit, but... If you didn't pay up your credit, you're not going to come back and ask for credit another time because you didn't pay up the first credit. But God is not like that. God gives us credit all the time. <laughs> so, like, He gives us maybe we didn't do properly, but God still does loan to us. It's not in our feelings, so, but Hashem uh, gives us uh, credit. And I um, just want to mention this um, is the Yorzeit yesterday of the Rebetzin of. Uh, Chaya Mushka, um, the wife of the Rebbe, and um, and I told him that in the um, in the um, 
in the writings of the Alter Rebbe in the Tanya, in the Geras HaKodesh, he writes about that um, um, the Torah discusses about the red heifer. That was the red heifer was used when a person came in contact with the dead body. What a dead body. Oh, very good. So then there's a process in which you burn the red heifer and you sprinkle on the third and the seventh day in order to get them clean. So that's in the portion of Chokas and Bamidbar. But right away following that, the Torah also writes about um, about the passing of Miriam. So the Gemara asks, the Talmud asks, why did the Torah write the story of the Porah Duma next to the passing of Miriam, Miriam's passing? And the Talmud says that um, the teacher to tell us that just like a korban, a sacrifice, atones, a death of a tzaddik also atones. A tzaddik at tzidkonis also atones. It also atones for the people. So the Alter Rebbe asks, this is what it says in the Talmud, the Alter Rebbe asks, but why did they choose it next to the red heifer, the paraduma, which wasn't really a full korban? Uh, the real korban would be a korban chatos, that's an atonement korban, you know, so... If we want to equate the death of tzaddikim to a korban, we should place it next to a real korban. The, actually, the whole process of the poraduma was done outside of the temple. It's not really, it's only chatos korachmona. The Torah calls it a chatos, but it's not really a chatos. It's not really an atonement. So why, uh, why did the Torah choose to put the death of a tzaddikim next to the poraduma? And the Torah explains very powerfully. He says, that actually that's precisely the point. Because while an ordinary Corbin can maybe clean somebody who's on the inside, who has some connection, but somebody who's gone far out and he's uh, no longer in the inn, you know, maybe a regular Corbin cannot, uh, cannot atone for him. The Corbin, the, the Paraduma was on the outside, that means it reaches out into the furthest places. And um, that's why the Paraduma was brought, because the Misas Tzadikim, the Tzadikim are not only able, the righteous, are not only able to drag along and provide atonement for the people that are in the inn who are close, but even people who are very far away already, and you think that they don't belong, and they're out there, and they're so, they're disconnected, like totally, they're outside. The Tzadik has that ability with their passing and with their prayers and everything, to bring them also in. That's what something like that the Alter Rebbe explains over there. This letter that the Rebbe said was said to Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Barditchev as a comforting letter the Rebbe sent. Now, of course, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Barditchev's son passed away. He was a man. But I have the question, I said, you know, if we look about further, why did the Torah choose the death of a woman, the passing of a tzedekis, Instead of Aaron's passing or Moshe's passing, uh, man, why did the death of a, of, a, of a tzedekis? And perhaps along this long, the same lines, we can say that that the power of a tzitkonius, of a woman, can actually reach and touch in a deeper, in a level even which is on the outside, even something who is disconnected to bring them back. And you see... A lot of times, you know, uh, when you're raising children, like sometimes the fathers don't have the patience uh, 
sometimes the child who is not maybe following the rules and maybe the father will just write him off but a mother will stay connected the mother who carried the child in her womb for nine months that is an eternal connection which can never really be severed and even if they find themselves on the outside even if they find themselves and perhaps that's why the Torah it, it didn't fit in the Rebbe's writing over there because that was for a son of uh, son. but we can say this about the Rebetzin and uh, that the Rebetzin's passing of Chobbe Shvat um, has a, even a deeper and a more stronger to uh, reach out even into the furthest places even where the Tzaddik himself can't go. The Tzaddikis can sort of reach and bring from the very furthest and lowest places and drag them out because the love and the connection from a mother to a child. And when you're a wife of a Rebbe, I mean, all of the uh, Hasidim and all of the Yidna are your children. Even though the Rebbe did not have physical children, but we're all of his children. All of us are his children. All of us the Rebbe's children. And that gives us the um, gives the um, the courage and the knowledge to know that never nobody's never too far. Nobody's never to the outside. Nobody's never lost. You can always connect and you can always re- reattach. And Chobbe Shvat, the passing of the Rebbe, what, why is the passing? Because in that time, all their good deeds and the activities that they did in the lifetime is no longer constrained by the physical. Now they're spiritual and they can sort of touch and impact everybody. So hopefully that we, as we remember the Rebbe, from yesterday was the yard site, uh, that we too will be inspired and will be touched. And I know that I've heard from a lot of people who read about the kinus, about the special uh, gathering of the shluchos, of the women emissaries. uh, And um, timing is in proximity of Chobbe Shvat. And I know that Shoshana flew in one raffle, especially came in from uh, Britain uh, to uh, join the kinus of shluchim some 3,000 shluchos with their families and supporters and other people joined. And it was a magnificent event. People say it was like a tremendous force. And Sarah is all excited about it. And maybe she uh, will tell us or share with us some of the experiences that she had over there. And uh, not only from her personal simchas, but also from the shluchos convention. So I'll pass the floor on to the Rebbe.